This is a Payone Media production. The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. So the issue that I was having with Clean Feed where I heard this buzzing sound is so I've I've told you my audio setup. I don't know if I've told the listener. Actually, I know I have. But I have my headphones plugged into Aux 1 on this board, right? So that's where I'm monitoring things from. And so if I want to hear system sounds, I turn up the Aux 1 knob, which is the fourth knob from the bottom um, on the board, and I can hear system sounds. And I turned it all the way up, and thankfully you didn't say anything. Uh, well, actually, that wouldn't matter. I'll get to that in a minute. If I want to hear Jaws louder, I turn Jaws Aux 1 up. And then there's a control on the far right with the three knobs that you can use to control the actual volume of what's coming out of the Aux 1 headphones, kind of like a master knob. So what I did is I went to headphones because with clean feed, you can go to headphones and change the output, which is awesome. So I changed your output to the, in the other VOIP software that I use, which is channel three, four. So I had your aux one turned all the way up. And so I was hearing the hiss that comes when you have volume all the way up in the mixer. Uh. It was picking all of your background sound up. But then that's why I'm like, let me grab a recording. And so I grabbed the recording and your sound was not coming. I mean, it, it has a slight tiny hiss, but it's definitely only if you turn that up a lot. And I think using something like RX will let me pull that noise out. It's, it's, we all have background noise. You can try to be in the most, I mean, let me rephrase that. Most of us amateur podcasters have background noise because we're not in a super treated room to make the, all the sounds go away. Uh, and, and that noise that I might be hearing might be your computer. Like, people don't realize how noisy computers can be. <laughs> mm, I can almost guarantee it's not the computer. Right. Uh, right. But here's a tip for you and also just to update the listeners as well yeah sorry to interrupt but it's time Damasi and michael just talking tech hey this is the show yeah welcome to dm75 yes show notes all right you're on pay.com slash dm75 but what i need to update like right now like my recording i think is going to be pretty echoey which is very strange to me but i have moved rooms uh, so I'm no longer in the room that I was in. That was my office. I now have a new office, which was my is my former bedroom. And I right now can hear me bouncing off of everything. Like, I don't know if you're going to pick it up or if you're going to hear it or if it's going to be that noticeable. But I can hear me bouncing off a lot of stuff right now. Uh, so got to do something about that. But Mike's right. Most of us are not in super well-treated rooms uh, i'm looking at some options for solving this particular problem to at least make the recordings more pristine uh, <laughs> so that mike didn't have to do so much work on the other end but mike tell us about rx since you just mentioned that mike has finally taken the plunge so to speak and checked out rx uh, and i think you have what elements eight uh, yeah RX. essentials or whatever they're they're bit all right so let's be transparent it went on sale 20 bucks so <laughs> but uh what i have found with rx is so for those who don't know rx is a plugin system and an audio editor so you can add the plugins to your reaper session 
And then you can apply those effects to the tracks that you need to. And there is some noise reduction plugins. Um, I did not put any of the noise reductions on any episodes that have gone out, but I will put some on both of our tracks today. And well, I probably won't edit today. I will edit tomorrow after I get off work and then we will uh, see how that sounds, but it's, it's, it is something that I am definitely learning. I need to learn a bit about audio mastering and, and how to use these tools, but it, it, intrigued me from a demonstration i'll link to it at your own pay.com slash dm75 of brian harchin who did a example of what the rx tools can do and some of those audio examples i'm like man if this ever goes on sale i need to pick it up and then literally like a week later it went on sale and i'm like hey demasi i just picked up rx8 so yeah, so Mike is finally, uh, well, I don't say finally because you don't have to have this, but Mike has picked it up and is checking it out, which is, you know, interesting from my perspective because I've been using it off and on uh, for years. Sometimes it doesn't work as well. Uh, also, as Mike said, like it does require you to kind of learn the tools themselves and what they're able to do. Uh, and I will also just make a note for anyone listening. So RX is from Isotope. Uh, it's their suite of noise or audio restoration uh, plugins and they have several different levels, I think three levels, uh, elements, standard and advanced. Uh, like Mike said, link will be in the show notes. They do have their own audio editor that comes when you purchase it and the capabilities are basically going to be unlocked by whatever level license uh, that you have. And they also provide the AU plugin for Apple uh, for Mac OS. So you can plug it in to uh, have it show up as a effect or the different options show up as effects and things like Logic, uh, Reaper. And I would imagine all the other editors that I don't look at. Uh, but they also have VST3, which you know go across platforms. So those will work on Mac and Windows and possibly Linux. I don't know. Hit us up on Twitter if you know if the Linux thing is true or not. Is it picking up that weed whacker? I don't hear it. Okay. Okay. I hear it. See, and that's a strange thing. When you're in audio, uh, you, you hear noises in your background, and we've talked about this. And then sometimes you don't hear noises in your background that you hear in post-production. Fun times. Yeah, because sometimes I don't hear my kids. And we recorded and, yeah. and listening back or editing is like, geez, what the hell was they doing? It's like tearing down the freaking house or something. Listening back, Hondamasi. Have you uh, listened to 74 yet? <laughs> Man, I was about to click on it right now. The web page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. So, Demasi, I have been playing with my calendar for WordPress lately. And this has been an interesting adventure. So, you're taking a look at my calendar. So, tell us. So I know a little bit about my calendar, but tell me what you have and tell all of us what you have found, you know, like interesting about it or what is, first of all, what does it do? And secondly, like what has drawn you to use that particular plugin? So a podcaster that both of us listens to starts a lot of her stories with what is the problem to be solved? And the problem that I am trying to solve with this plugin is I am work doing work on two organizations websites. 
both of these organizations need a way to display events on their website. And for the longest time, we were just displaying events as text document or text uh, posts. Well, it was actually a page that was formatted and I uh, had a list of the events. And whenever they made changes, I had to go through that page and edit those events or delete everything and then re-add them. It was as cumbersome as I just made it sound. And it was doable because we just separated all the events by heading. So a screen reader user could just jump through by headings, get a description and everything worked fine. However, someone, I think, don't remember, I think it was Taylor, had recommended to me the My Calendar plugin when I was talking to her about this issue that I was trying to solve, which is being able to easily display calendar events on a WordPress page and make it accessible, make it look good. And I kind of blew, I'll admit it, I blew Taylor off for a while because I'm like, oh, I don't need another tool called My Calendar. What I'm working will work just fine. But then I saw a couple people using my calendar and the calendars that it produced. And I reached out to him. Thank you uh, for some feedback, Jeff. And I said, hey, what plugin are you using? He's like, my calendar. And then I figured I should probably take a look at it more. Uh, well, full transparency, I don't know that I ever seen a calendar page that Taylor had created with my calendar. So that's probably why I didn't go look at it. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, actually seeing it, you know, live somewhere is like, Oh, that that is kind of nice. I should go look at this now. And then I went and downloaded the free version because they have a free version and a premium version. And I started adding events to one of the sites. And I wrote, I think I called Demasi. I'm like, hey, Demasi, this is super easy. Like, it's just fields you fill out and you tab through and you uh, uh, hit update and it publishes the post, the, the calendar event for you. And then you have a page that's automatically created that I just learned today. You can completely customize and you even have a short code that you can drop into a alternative events page. I need to figure out how to get just, just a certain category of events to show up per page. So I'm going to experiment with that in the next couple of days because we want to have a zoom schedule of events for one of these organizations. And then we want to have a fundraiser, slash in-person events uh, to show up. So if people are looking for what's the next Zoom call, we'll have an answer for that. I'll get to that in a minute. Then they can simply click on the Zoom link and go see what the next Zoom calls are uh, versus going in and clicking and seeing what the next in-person or fundraiser is. So my calendar was super easy to set up. Uh, it can be as complicated as we want to make it. And another problem that my calendar appears to solve for me, I can't confirm that it will work the way that I want it to, but I am going to experiment with it in the next week or so, is I, for the other organization I'm working with, am the Zoom calendar individual who reaches out and... Well, who people reach out to and they ask me, hey, Michael, is the Zoom room that our organization has available on Tuesday at 6 p.m.? And so I open Fantastical. I use the calendar sets. Thank you, Namasi, for recommending that. And I choose the Zoom calendar. 
And then I look on Tuesday and I say, yes, it's available. Would you like me to book you a time? Typically, when I ask them if you would like me to book you a time, because you asked me for it, I'm going to put it in the calendar because otherwise I'm not going to go back in and do it. Unless you text me and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm at uh, next Tuesday after that. And then I just edit the event. But what I eventually want to do is make it so people can go submit a request for an event on a website. And then if that day and time is available, then it locks them into that day and time and they can use the zoom room then. And I know I'm going to have some people that are going to reach out to me via phone or text because there are some people who don't want to use a website. But for most people, if they want to put together a fundraising event at three in the morning because they can't sleep, they can just go jump on the website, book the Zoom room, and then you know they don't even have to tell me because I will get an email notification saying that this time has been taken. And it'll show up on the Zoom calendar that I created uh, with use in Fantastic Cast. So that- Hopefully that wasn't too super confusing. No, nah, I get it. So the, the ultimate end goal there is, uh, you know, the end goal should be for them to be able to go to a page, look at the calendar and see if the room is available. And if it is, schedule their time that they want uh, so that there's no intervention at all. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my calendar. Um, I will be talking more about it. And I think it's weird that I'm talking about WordPress stuff and, and the show when usually that's you, <laughs> man, I got WordPress stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of deep in the bowels of some, some stuff at the moment. So, uh, might not be super interesting to people. I will make note of the fact that if you are any sort of developer or you use any tools from GitHub and the person that you find a lot of useful tools or a super useful tool from has a sponsor link, go take a look at it uh, and see if perhaps you can make a one-time donation or a recurring donation to them. Uh, I recently did that actually today for a guy who has been creating WordPress plugin for a long time. Uh, He has contributed to WordPress core Uh, for anybody listening that may be familiar with any of his plugins, probably the most known that he has created is called uh, query monitor. Nope. Never heard of it. Yeah. You know, most people uh, probably have not, but query monitor is amazing. I don't run it on live sites at all. Uh, I, typically run it and running it in development so locally on my computer or i'm running it perhaps in a staging environment if i'm not the only one that's kind of running building that site or whatever just to see what's what's going on where where are bottlenecks being created with databases what type of queries are being made it's also very handy to figure out like you know how was this page constructed together uh you know what template uh what what theme templates were used to build this page because you know there are, you know, there, there's a single, what they call a single post template, uh, PHP template in just about everything you're going to encounter. That displays a post for you when you go view a full post. But oftentimes, because there are template partials in WordPress, you know, they may fetch the header from the header file and then they're fetching the post, but then they may fetch another piece here, another piece there. If you want to figure out how somebody's done something or how they constructed a page, uh, query monitor is good for that. It's good for a lot of basically looking into WordPress to see how things are behaving. I would say it's very close or very similar to opening up something like uh, Task Manager on Windows or 
And I'm not even thinking of the name of this app, but I open it all the time on the Mac. Activity. Uh, Activity Monitor. Yeah. Uh, on the Mac. So you see what's running, you know, how long this is taking, how much memory is this particular process using, et cetera, et cetera. That's what Query Monitor is for. Uh, and like I said, I have never run it on a live site. I have always strictly run it in development or staging process. Um, but yeah, my calendar sounds interesting. It doesn't solve a problem for me today. Uh, but it would be something I would look at for sure uh, if I found myself on a project that needed that type of functionality. What I am trying to solve right now is calendar scheduling booking. I just need to book. <laughs> uh, looking at Calendly, uh, which is nice. Calendly is accessible. I think we talked about Calendly at some point in the past. Uh, I, I have complained about Calendly in the past. Uh, yeah, I think couldn't it turn on or off events, but apparently you can now. Yeah, you can turn them on and off. Uh, the the, bat, the 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 management side of Calendly has really improved. Uh, I had noticed that their their booking side of things, so the the, the end user uh, interface had improved over the past couple of years from where it used to be. Uh, but I recently went in and started a trial, and it, it's it's working. I'm not certain that I'm going to stick with it. Uh, mostly. Well, I'm not certain that I'm going to stick with it because I am always looking for solutions that can be directly integrated into WordPress or as Michael will tell you, if somebody waves an open source solution at me, <laughs> I'm going to go look at it. What was that like, that you uh, told me about earlier today? Oh, man, I don't even remember <laughs> the name of it. Uh, but yeah, there is an open source alternative to Calendly and Acuity, et cetera. Uh, so we'll possibly take a look at it at some point uh not sure yet I'm, I'm still looking at options within wordpress uh as well that just give me all of that without having to deal with working around the fact that you know i'm using a third-party service if it's all self-maintained uh the other reason is too i don't really you know what i'm lazy i'm not gonna even try to give anybody <laughs> any high-minded uh, reasoning behind it. I'm just lazy, right? So I don't want to have to incorporate, you know, links or, or explanations to Calendly's privacy policy on my website. I don't want to have to incorporate, you know, anybody's stuff if I don't have to. So that's another reason that I like the whole self-contained thing because it makes the job easier for me when disclosing to site visitors and users um, what they're getting into. Uh, or, or or what we're tracking, which for me is typically nothing unless you give it to me. And it's usually because you chose to give it to me. I'm not taking anything or surreptitiously gathering any information from anybody. Uh, I get any information on you is because you gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And it was for a very specific reason. So it makes my job easier and I don't have any cookie banners. Yeah. So, Demasi, if someone wanted to make a privacy policy, do you know of a good tool for that? Man, we should turn this into an ad. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I I kind of thought about that, but I'm like, do, do you even have it set up so people can go buy it from you? Or no, I don't. Not yet. I mean, you I could just set up a Stripe link, link, huh? You have an affiliate link though. I too, do have don't an you? affiliate link. I do. You probably make more money with Stripe though, if you set all that up. Mm, yeah, I would. Yeah, but I think they're recurring with their their. No, I think it's the first year. Uh, oh. You get you get a percentage off of them. They're not they're not convert kit style where they just keep paying you forever. Yeah, I know convert kit. You can stop paying me anytime. By the way, no, 
No, they can't. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's that how their program works. That, that eight dollars and seventy cents that comes in on the first of the month is is helpful sometimes. <laughs> it paid for some blind bargains ads. There we go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, or, or it comes an app purchase on, on, on iTunes or something. Movie rental. There you go. Look, yeah. you can rent a movie every month and just pretend. Apps seem to be getting more damn expensive, man. They are. And they're really the they're, problem. They're with getting that. away with it by saying, hey, get this app for free and then subscribe to us. Talking to you, HBO, at $15 a month. Mm. But HBO always been 15 bucks a month ever since you. Yeah. Talking to you, Netflix, separate. when I was actually looking at my bills, that's $18 a month now. Do you mm-hmm. remember when yeah. that was like a lot cheaper than that? And I remember when Netflix was $8 a month. Yeah. Yeah. And they were sending you physical DVDs then. <laughs> no, I remember it was $8 a month for the streaming service. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was simple, too, because there was no, oh, you only have two screens. It was like, no, it's Netflix, and you pay us 8 bucks, and you get all the stuff we got, and you can watch it everywhere. And then one day I woke up and it was like, yeah, so we're Netflix and it's $9 a month, but you only get two screens and there's no, whatever it was. Is it HD? Yeah. Nope. No. 4K something. I don't know. One you of don't those get this video. Yeah. And then for, you know, 11 bucks, you can get HD, but only on two screens. And for 13, you can get HD on four screens. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? They're 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 nickel and diamond. They're nickel and diamond. Like man, it, it's it's not that difficult. I just heard somewhere, and I forget where I heard this at, but I just heard somewhere recently listening to a podcast. And I'm certain of that. Uh, that apparently Netflix is they just apparently recorded reported like their 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 quarterly earnings or something. I don't know exactly what it was, uh, but they're seeing a decline in not only new users but they're starting to lose. Uh, some subscribers as well. And I, I would, I'm, I'm assuming to me, at least if Netflix is reporting a loss of subscribers, that it must be reasonably significant. Like, it's not like they just lost 30 people or something like, you know, right, they probably lost right. several thousands of, yep. of, of subscribers. Uh, but I believe you know. it. I've thought about canceling Netflix because I, I, I don't even know if anyone in our house is watching it and I should take a, a quick poll because uh, Benjamin is on a lo- doing a lot of HBO Max. Mallory is doing either HBO Max or Disney Plus. Nicholas does a lot of YouTube. I do a lot of Apple TV. And Andrew might be the only one watching Netflix, but how often do they watch it is the biggest question. And if it's only because something new is released, then do we need to keep paying for it for the months so that something new isn't out or just get it, you know, once a quarter or something and save that money. Cause it is the price is creeping up there. Yeah. It's getting a little, little, uh, outrageous and they're dumping crap on there. Uh, and w- from what I, so like I haven't paid for Netflix for a while, mostly because my kids don't. So, First, let me say, I'm not a big TV watcher anyway. Uh, I don't know when this changed about me, but I just stopped watching a ton of TV. I don't know. Because it was difficult to watch what I wanted to watch once I cut the cable cord. Uh, yeah. Or at least cut the cable service because I still got a cable cord for the internet. <laughs> Hi, Comcast, you fucks. Uh, Remember, the opinions expressed on this show are accurate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You shitty fucks. Uh, but so in my household right now, the kids watch 
some Apple, actually, I don't think they've been in Apple TV Plus in a while. They're really in Disney Plus. And they spend time in, what is it, Nick Jr., I think, which they're getting off of uh, a, a cable subscription that their grandmother has. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. Like, they right. want Netflix, but I don't really want to pay 20 bucks a month, which is, you know, just rounding up 20 bucks a month for Netflix. And I don't know if they're really going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, and then I hear so many people complain about the Netflix interface, not from an accessibility like screen reader standpoint, just from a UI standpoint, just UI, right? Yeah. It's just like it's cluttered and then they autoplay stuff on you and yada, yada, yada. There's all sorts of problems. I do really need to explore our YouTube TV, however, though, because that has, for some reason, over the past couple of weeks, has been extremely. Highly recommended by a lot of people. It's like, oh, YouTube TV. That's that's the thing you want to go with. Like, you know, there's we know we got Sling out there. There's Hulu TV or Hulu Plus or Hulu Live. Call it, yeah, that that thing, Hulu Live. Uh, but apparently, YouTube TV is pretty great. Yeah, we will be exploring it. it in the next couple of months. Uh, I think it's in the next month or so for college football because Mallory watches that quite regularly. I'm not a big football fan, but you know, I will probably be, we've played with Fubo TV, I think is the name of it. And all of these links will be at your own pay.com slash DM 75. So you can do your own research, but we played with it and I don't remember it having the cleanest interface. YouTube TV I've never used. So I'm interested to hear either how your experiences go or how I use it. So. So that will be our experiment together, I guess, because I was thinking about spinning it up because I think I can get a free month or something like that yeah. anyway. So yeah. I was thinking about checking it out, uh, seeing what the, you know, permission levels are right. Like, my well, mind just went off into a whole other space about Audible and Amazon. <laughs> the only reason I thought about using YouTube TV was because I think, and I could be wrong, that it comes with, um, I almost said YouTube Red, but that's not what it is. But the ad-free version of YouTube as well. I'm not 100% sure if it comes to I believe it does. Like, that sounds right to me, too. Or but, at least at one point that was the case. Maybe it's not the case today. We don't right. know. We're not researching anything. <laughs> no. this. I called Demasi earlier today, full transparency, and said, Hey, do you got anything to talk about on the show? None of this was on our list. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but this is the show. This is how the show came into being, and this is what the show, you know, forced itself back into when we tried to feed it into a different shape. And it was like, yeah, we're not having none of that shit. Yeah, I'm not that show. I'm this show. Yeah, but I will say, Tyler Spivey made a recommendation to me for because I I was complaining about how I'd be listening to music on YouTube, and all of a sudden ads are playing. He said, "Well, have you tried UBlock Origin?" in Chrome. And I said, no. And so I went and I downloaded the extension and I installed it and it's used for blocking ads. Well, I didn't think it would work on YouTube, but yesterday I was watching YouTube in Chrome and I didn't get any ads. And I, and I started thinking about it, like, I don't remember the last time I saw an ad. So I'm like, well, maybe the videos that I'm watching don't have ads. So I grabbed the URL and that made no sense, but I opened it in Firefox and dropped it in there. And guess what? I got two ads right away. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> this shit works. I like this. So yeah, check that out if you haven't yet, Demosi. You block origin. Yeah, you, you block origin is pretty good. I'm 
uh, I actually should check to see if they ever. So the reason I don't use anything like that at all uh, in any of my browsers is basically because I'm sort of bouncing between three browsers. Like I use Safari mostly, most of the time. Uh, there are those occasions where, you know, Chrome is necessary because something doesn't behave properly. Yeah, hey, clean feed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also have been really using Firefox quite a deal lately on Mac OS because it's finally getting to a point of being usable like day to day as a browser. Uh, there's still some little weird quirks that don't work. I still can't select text, but I can't really naturally select text in Chrome either yeah. on the Mac. So uh, the other major thing that I see right now that's not working that is a part of my normal browsing the web thing is bringing up the links list with voiceover. Typically in Firefox, it tells me there are no links here. I'm like, but I'm on a link. So that needs to be worked out. But Firefox is getting better. So IUBlock Origin used to be, I know it's on the Chrome. I do believe they also have a version for Firefox and maybe it's now on Safari. It is on Chrome, uh, Chromium, Microsoft Edge. Opera, Firefox, and all Safari releases. Oh, nice. I'll take a look at it. But I don't watch as much YouTube as you do. Yeah. Usually when I go to YouTube, I don't see an ad and I have no idea <laughs> but I don't really see ads. A handful of times a month I go to YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We have we have YouTube all over our house, so Yeah, I'm more afraid to let my kids on YouTube. <laughs> ain't, they're, they're not they're they're not innately suspicious nor discerning enough i think to be let loose uh, on youtube at this point yeah that's I, I i fully get that for sure so yeah i'll probably spend some time watching youtube with them though so they can you know maybe start to learn that because that's the only way they're going to get it is if i teach them i guess right uh-huh. that's the way that works you got to teach them the things yeah, you, you want them they, to know they don't just come with that they don't just naturally pick in. it up <laughs> they don't pick it up through osmosis like no. they can read my thoughts no not yet oh uh, uh, well, shit somebody needs to make that happen elon musk is working on it oh. <laughs> with his brain implant thing so going back to calendars for a second, because you mentioned to me earlier today that you have three calendar apps on your phone. Well, two that you're actively using because Outlook is like a whole big thing, but you're using the Google Calendar widget uh, over the Fantastic app, but you're using Fantastic app, but you're using the Google Calendar widget. So explain this to me. Yeah, so... I use Fantastical to input data into my calendar. Sometimes I'll, well, Mm -hmm. often I'll look at it, uh, especially when someone's reaching out and asking about a certain day. But when I added the widget to... Hold on one sec before you get there. Let me give you a shortcut tip just in case you don't know it. And if you do know it, well, everybody else will learn it too if they didn't know it. But if you did know, if you're in Fantastical on iOS or iPad OS, if you touch a date and you double tap on it to, you know, put that date in focus so you can see what events are happening on that date, a double tap and hold on that event will open up a new event with the date already pre-selected. So all you have to do is type in the event name and the time. Huh. I did not know that. So you double tap and hold on the day or an event? Uh, on the date. Okay. On the calendar. Okay. And you actually don't have to have the date selected to do it. 
Uh, you can just double tap and hold on any date. So if you're scanning through the calendar, you see like Wednesday, you know, uh, what is today's date? The 28th? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just double tap and hold on it. And it puts you automatically into the new event screen with the date already filled. So just put in your event title and rest of the information, the time. Hmm. There you go. To go. And for those who also don't know, Fantastical does some great NLP, so you can uh, natural language processing, so you can tap on the add new event and simply say recording with Demasi every Wednesday at 8 p.m. So that is literally how I added our recurring event uh, for recording is uh, I typed it in because I was on the Mac, but it was basically DM show recording uh, every Saturday at 10 p.m. Yep, and then it just comes up, and and you don't have to do anything else with it, and you can just have it on your calendar. So, Fantastical is great, but the problem that I ran into when I added the Fantastical widget was it started showing me stuff that I know, and let me get through this because I think you know where you're going to go, and maybe you'll have another place for me to look, but I know was added to reminders in iOS from January of 2017 because that was the last time I used Reminder <laughs> on my iPhone. And I went into Fantastic Count, searched everywhere in the settings and could not find it. I did see that like all the reminders were off. I think that's, unless there's somewhere else I need to look. But so I wanted a calendar widget on my phone in the top left corner so I could see what's my next event because I knew I had a Zoom call today, but I didn't remember what it was. So I actually had to be like a, a barbarian and ask Siri, what's my next event? And so um, I added the Google Calendar widget and it's super nice because it literally, the Google Calendar widget that I have just just shows me my next event on the uh, widget. So I just seen on it, it's a Google Calendar widget, and I flicked to the right ones, and it said DM Show Recording, gave me the clean feed URL that Demasi uses to connect, and it told me that it was from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. my time. And that's the information I wanted. Like I, I don't necessarily need to see my entire next day or week's calendar i literally <laughs> just want to know where am i supposed to be next because that's what matters to me so that's why i added that widget gotcha so your reminder showing up is probably let's address that first so i think you probably need to go to your uh hit settings or what a menu button and then go to settings mm-hmm. go to accounts and uh, see if your icloud account is still connected or if it's grabbing reminders from local calendars on, on, on device or something like that and turn those off. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about there, looking in accounts. There is a widget or there should be, there was when I had a widget for Fantastical. Uh, I think it's one of the smaller widgets that will show your next upcoming event only. So I can cool. just show what's, what's up next. I will poke at that because that's the main reason why I have Google account. Well, no, the main reason why I have Google calendar on my phone was because I downloaded it to poke at it to see how I liked the interface and to see if they had ever added natural language input like Fantastical has. That's the reason why I downloaded it. The reason it's still on my phone now is because I was playing with widgets and I'm using the Google calendar widget. So I'll try with the Fantastical widget and then um, see where that takes me. Uh, what are you doing with Outlook? Nothing. Um, <laughs> so I downloaded it and I said, hey, I'm going to 
I'm going to try this Outlook thing out. Yeah. I'm going to try yeah, out I Outlook. I do that sometimes and, too. And nothing, I, like, I, I never got out of the habit of using uh, mail. But, but let me tell you a little bit about mail that I told Jason about. And I don't know if I've ever told you this. I discovered a couple of weeks ago now when I was flicking through and double tapping on messages and hearing unread, comma, username, subject line, unread, person's name, subject line. And I said, you know, that unread is kind of annoying. I know when my messages are unread most of the time, but I need some sort of signification. So I went into the voiceover settings and I realized I could go to the dictionary. I don't know if that's exactly what it, pronunciation, pronounced, Pronunciation. pronunciation. Yes. See, Michael can't even say that word. Uh, I went in there and I hit the ad and I typed in unread comma in one field. And then I typed in the word new. Now, new is still annoying, but it's a little bit shorter than unread. It is one syllable. Um, and I'm going to experiment with this a little bit because I wanted some significant. I wanted some way to recognize that a message was unread, but I didn't want to hear that it was unread every time. And then what I also discovered is you can actually set those definitions to only be valid in specific apps. So if I read unread somewhere else, then it doesn't affect it because it's only app in mail and so nice. yeah did you know that one i did not know that they added to the ability to make it only work in specific apps yeah uh it's the reason because i was about to object and be like man but now when you go somewhere you're not going to really know if that really thing says new or if it, or says if it actually says unread yeah yeah uh, so i didn't know that they had added the uh, extra capability to define specific applications where the and behavior I- and I don't remember if this is an iOS 15 or thing only or if it's available in 14. But I can confirm that when I have an unread text message in messages, it will read unread. And if I wanted to, I can spell by character and it will spell unread in mail. But if I just read by word, it just reads uh, the word new, which is what I wanted it to. Where I was going with that is prior to my discovery of this amazing thing that I'm going to play around with a little bit so I can, I I wish you could do like a sound. That would be nice if you could do a sound for certain words like you can with like Jaws, etc. However, when I realized that I could get this set up, then I just stuck with the mail app and I, you know, would go through and select all my emails and get them all deleted and everything. And I have not went back to Outlook, even though Outlook is on my home screen and I should take a look at it. It's just not, not something I've played with. And that's all I could talk about while Demasi looks up if it's available on iOS 14. <laughs> so, do you ever have this problem? I'm not going to make it look for it. Do you ever have this problem? <sighs> this is why I got to get a new phone. <laughs> this is going to be the thing that forces me into a new phone. I'm going to try wiping this one. I haven't gotten to it yet. I know I keep saying it, but do you know how tedious it is to set your phone back up? Yes. Uh, so, you know why I haven't done it yet? Yes. <laughs> Yep. It does take time. But occasionally I will get into the scenario I was just in. I go somewhere, I locate something, I double tap, and voiceover does absolutely fucking nothing. I have not had that in a while. Uh, 
So it is super annoying. Mm. And now I'm going to further delay my resetting. Well, maybe not the resetting on my phone, but me, my going to the beta because I heard <laughs> that you know, apparently beta, what is it, beta four? Yeah. Is, uh, is hosing people's iCloud data. That's nice. Yes. Yes. It is a beta. It is a beta. But still, come on. Come on. You started out great, Apple, with 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 betas. You started out great, and then it went downhill. Mm. Hosing people's iCloud data. Uh, that, that's, that's not good. Well, let me be more specific for people listening. So what I read, I won't disclose where I read it from, but Mike knows where I read it from. But where, what I read is that apparently Beta 4 is hosing data for CloudKit applications. So not necessarily your data that you have saved in iCloud directly like I have a documents folder in iCloud that I created right that data is fine from my understanding the issue is with say an application that uses iCloud and CloudKit to sync data for you between devices that data could possibly be hosed especially if they're using so if you're testing beta apps or anybody uh i would say most likely the beta applications that are using the newer sdks are the ones that are experiencing this problem possibly could also affect you know current release apps but i you know wasn't certain of that at the time so advice is stay on beta 3 if you're hearing this and you have not pushed a button to go up to beta 4 yet um maybe stay there until you find out that they're not hosting your cloud kit data and I have stayed on beta three because I know a couple of people who are on beta four that have told me this doesn't affect me, but the fact that it's, it's not a pleasant experience because I will admit I have auto update enabled for my apps. I probably shouldn't. And I went through a period where I didn't, but now that I have a couple extra taps, unless you know something I don't know, I loved it when update was in the bottom right corner of the app store. And then I could just tap on that and see what apps needed an update. But now, uh, from my understanding beta four, if you tell, if you double tap on update, all apps, or you update an app from the update screen voiceover crashes and is unable to interact with the app store. And so you have to uh, close voiceover and re- or turn voiceover off, turn it back on. But if you go into each app itself and press the update button that you know has an update, then it updates just fine. So, you know, beta, beta issues. Don't, don't take this as me bitching about a beta thing because I, I understand that things are on beta, but then right. I also pay slightly more attention to what's going on with updates now than what I normally would during a normal release cycle, because I expect there to be problems and I want someone else to experience those problems before I do. Thank you. All of you amazing individuals who I used to be about 10 years ago, but now I'm like, I need my phone for shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, if you're actually, like, public beta, probably, I would imagine, is okay. I don't think Apple will let a bug like that out of the gate. Developer mm-hmm. betas, however, most developers that I know, and this would also be my practice, is if I'm beta testing and building apps against the new beta builds, I probably don't want to use my live iCloud data anyway, right? right. So, you know, yes it is bad and yes if you're on beta 3 you should stay there right now if you're on the developer beta i don't even know what actual beta i think they're at beta 2 on public uh maybe beta 3 just came out today do your research before you upgrade is, is the point made here and realize that it is beta software so things could break uh you're taking the risk 
<sighs> Mike, you said something I wanted to comment about. Oh, updates. If you triple tap the App Store icon from the home screen, you'll get a little pop-up menu. And one of those options says update. And you mm. tap on that and it takes you right to the spot that you need to go to. Okay. See, I forget you can triple tap on apps. Uh, another option in that pop-up menu there too is also search. So that takes you straight to search. Uh, I think there's also a redeem button right there. If you have one of those app store codes, you need to redeem for some. Uh, but that's how I get to my updates now is I just triple tap and then tap on updates and go there and read the release notes and hit update. Yeah, you have search, redeem, updates, purchase, edit home screen, and remove app. So is that the equivalency of double tapping and holding on something? Yes, it is now. From 14 forward, that is the equivalent. So you could literally double tap and hold on it if you let it go. But it's faster to just triple tap. It is. is It's a lot faster. Huh. And that works operating system wide? So anything that you could double tap and hold on, you can now just triple tap on. Yep. Okay. And just for clarification, that's triple tap with one finger. Yes. I don't know if you said that. I will know in editing. And if you did, then I'll just edit myself out. (laughs) No, I didn't. Because I just assumed that, you know, if you don't specify the number of fingers, it is only one. Yeah. But you are correct. You know what they say about assuming, Damasi. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I do like about iOS 15, though, is if Damasi sends me a link in Safari, I have a. The the new Safari is growing on me. So for those who don't know, there is an address bar at the bottom of the Safari screen and no longer at the top. So that's something that will throw some people off and it looks like it's going to stay down there uh, for the foreseeable future. But if you double tap on the address bar and you are opening a new tab, one of the options when you open a new tab is links shared with me. And any link that is shared with you shows up with the person who shared it with you as well. So I've got a couple of links from Demasi and it will say the name of the page and then shared by Demasi, I think is what it says. Um, And I can go back to messages and find that link if I want to, or just go through those. And it's really nice because if Nicholas or Benjamin or Mallory or someone else shares a link with me, it all shows up in that shared with you screen. So you can quickly get back to that. Um, And I can't confirm if it groups them by the person who shared them with you or not, or if it just kind of sprinkles them all out. I haven't paid that much attention admittedly, but that's, I think sharing is going to be a lot more convenient in iOS 15 for being able to find stuff that people share with you. Cause I don't know. I, I imagine you've been in this Demasi sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. Demasi is my read it later service. So <laughs> if I find a link, I'm like, hey, he might get some sort of interest out of this. I will hit the share button and his name shows up towards the top. So I just hit Demasi and then I hit send. And usually he knows why I shared it with him. But if not, I think he's just started to ignore them because he's like, oh, Michael just needs to save that. When I should be using something like Good Links or, or Pocket or something. But yeah, sharing is, is interesting with 15. So, but you're right in the fact that typically, usually it's something that I would probably want to read anyway. And uh, 
the the point Michael was getting to is that sometimes you don't go look immediately, yeah. right? And then it gets buried, and you're like, man, I really don't want to scroll back through this message thread, not because mm-hmm. it's tedious, but because oftentimes messages doesn't behave correctly. How <laughs> to do that? Uh, you know, you'll scroll back to a point, and then you start trying to. Oh, I think it was back in this area. Let me flick through a couple of messages. And next thing you know, you're either at the very beginning of the message thread, or you're back at the very end, and you're like, how the fuck <laughs> did this happen? I don't understand. Uh, so that, that new sharing thing that they're doing does sound interesting, but I am curious to know, and I know we won't know this during the beta cycle anyway, but just, just curiosity once it's released, will there be an, an API or something like that for third party developers to use? So if someone has shared a link with you, for example, and WhatsApp, would that also be able to show up there, you know, mm. what's app doing, what it needs to do, of course, for that to work. But is Apple going to open that ability up to third party developers or is it going to be one of those things where, oh, well, Apple can do this. And then maybe in a year or two, third parties will be able to do this. Yeah, I've got I've, I would like to see that, but I also don't want to see that. Or I at least hope that Apple makes app developers not offers them, but makes them give us an opportunity to turn it off if they do allow it. Because I'm thinking, you know, shared links in mail or something, because, man, I would never mm, be able to find that, anything that, in shared links in Safari. Uh, I think it will be more. So I don't I don't know if the world or even if Apple thinks about it this way, but I think of messaging as more of a a more personal communication yeah. method over email, right? Yep. Which is why I slightly get annoyed when companies want to send me text messages. Like I don't I don't fucking like we got business. I don't want to talk to you over text messages. Don't text me, shit. Uh, yep. Because partially because though for me, like I have very somewhat structured communication avenues for people. And I don't like to be interrupted when I'm busy or occupied or whatever the case may be to check what I know is a text message or Mm -hmm. some sort of message. And then it turns out it's like, you know, Costco telling me my order has shipped. What the fuck? I don't care that my order has shipped. I thought it was someone important messaging me. Right. Stay in your lane with that shit. I don't want to be text messaging me random stuff. It's probably the reason I've never deployed any of those text messaging services through WordPress either. Like, oh, you can get a text message about this or whatever. I guess you should give people the option, but I'm never going to choose that option. Yeah. Does Apple let you turn that off, though? Does Apple? Yeah, share it with me. Yes. Ah, okay, cool. You can so turn if, that on and off. So if they let you turn it off, then third-party developers would also have to honor that behavior. Yep. Although, although, I just want to point something out before we leave today about enforcing rules and policies in the App Store. <laughs> Apple, somebody please, please get the word to Apple because they don't listen to our show. I'm pretty sure nobody from Apple listens to our show. Hey, Tim, Cook, how's it going, buddy? Look, need you to do me a favor, man. And hey, I don't like the Alabama Rolling Tide either. War Eagle all day Uh, (laughs) i'm being serious damn i'm from georgia so you know i don't like the alabama crimson tide listen though we got a problem so some years ago don't remember how long ago this was but some years ago apple introduced this mechanism by which uh all app developers could request you to leave them a review right instead of doing it the way that 
a lot of people were doing it, which is writing their own custom thing and it, you know, being in the way. Apple came up with a framework that everybody, first it was available for you to use and then they kind of enforced it as like, you have to use this. You can't do your own custom request to review mm-hmm. thing, right? And in settings, there's an option that says allow app developers to ask me to review their app or something like that, right? And you can turn that on and off. I have it turned on because, you know, occasionally I may really enjoy an app and want to do a review or at least give them a star rating. I'm not really going to type out a review. I'm sorry. I like a lot of apps, but I'm not doing that. Anyway, the rule as I remember it, and I really should have looked this up before I started talking, but this really just occurred to me because it's something Michael said, but I don't know what Michael said to trigger this, but the point being the rule as I understood it at the time is that you had two options when that little thing pops up. You could give a review. You could know you had three options. You could give a review. You could say maybe later, or you could say, don't ask me again. Yep. Well, guess what I'm seeing in quite a few apps and most of them, I must admit that I'm seeing this show up in our bigger apps, Audible uh, pops up and says, hey, would you like to leave us a review? And I see a pick the stars option and I see a no, maybe later. I don't see a don't don't ask, ask me, me again. Audible. Yeah, I am super annoyed. And, you know, I got to be honest, like I'm not jumping on the bandwagon with everybody else, because if you listen to our show or any length of time, you know, I'm slightly, you know, never on the bandwagon with everybody else. But I do have a problem. When a company like Audible is able to bypass the restrictions that I know for certain people that I know personally that are app developers. If they tried that shit, they are, their app will probably be slapped out. I don't like it. Uh, it, it, it strikes of unfairness. I'm not getting into the split in the machinations and the agreements that come to pass between a company like Apple and Amazon or Apple and Netflix mm-hmm. for the percentage of money that Apple takes out of their pocket. Right. Not getting into that whole conversation today. We ain't got time for that anyway. What I'm talking about is the enforcement of an app store policy that says you must do this thing. Otherwise, you can't do the thing that you're trying to do. So if you ask me to review your application inside of your application, you must give me a way to review your app, an option to say, hey, ask me later because I don't know right now because I just opened it mm-hmm. or, hey, don't bother me with this shit again. And when an app is not doing that, like, I don't see it. To me, the code strings would have to be there in order for them to be calling the appropriate functions in order for everything to work. They're missing a string, which means it should be pretty easy to find. Fix it is all I'm saying. Fix it and make it fair for everyone. Exactly. I'm not getting into the financials of the whole situation because that's a much more convoluted conversation. But when it comes to enforcing the app store policies, because what you're doing is you're annoying me as a user, right? I don't really give a shit if Audible wants a review or doesn't want a review. I pay Audible money. They shouldn't be asking me to do shit for them. It's my honest, honest, personal opinion. I pay them money every month. So I don't think you should be requesting me to give you a review. Uh, I don't get interrupted by, hey, would you like to review our app by Fantastical? Nope, nope. Doesn't happen. Drafts? Nope. Never. Don't think I've seen it. I do see it sometimes in the in the, in the the release notes, update notes for Fantastical. Hey, if you got a moment, would you? Uh, but they also say, hey, we'll never interrupt you and ask you for a yeah, review. I've, I've seen that in a couple of different apps, too. Yeah. So, you know, and I pay them money, too. So I'm fine. Uh, but Audible? Pay Audible every month. 
Now, I guarantee you, I spend more money on Audible over the course of a year than it costs me <laughs> to pay for my family Fantastic Al subscription and my family draft subscription that I have. Yet, Combined. the misbehaving app is Audible. Yep. Makes you think. If you're looking for an alternative to Audible, try Libro.fm. <laughs> have you played with that? I have, actually. I, I bought a couple of books there. Okay. Yeah, they don't have the breadth of the catalog that Audible has, but they're close. They have like 200 or something thousand books. Audible's probably at a half a million maybe at this point. So, or maybe not. Well, if you take out the Audible originals, I'd say they're they're a lot closer. Uh, All of the popular books. So I picked up the Barack Obama book, which I still haven't read yet, uh, from Libro.fm. Um so they 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 seem to have like all the newer stuff and they operate the same as Audible as far as like what they do. Like so, you know, you can pay for a credit a month or you can pay for two credits or something like that. Uh-huh. So they have the same type of structure plan. What they don't do that Audible has started doing, I can't say they won't do this in the future because Audible hasn't always done this, is you can cancel your account or cancel your subscription and you still keep the credits active that you have already paid for that you have not used. Hmm. Just a note for people out there. If you cancel your Audible subscription, they're taking any unused credits now. They didn't used to yep. always do this, but now they are. Also, a tip for you out there, if you're not aware, after a year, your credit is no longer any good. So if you are one of those people that holds on to credits, uh, my assumption is that they're going to drop the oldest credit. So if you get a credit, let's say if you got a credit in December of 2020. And you did not use your credits the entire year of this year because you're like, all the crap that's coming out, it sucks. Well, when December of 2021 rolls around, you're going to drop a credit. Now, my assumption is as soon as you use a credit, even if you accumulate four credits, so from December, January, February, March, you have four credits. Now, in April, you buy a book. I'm assuming the credit that you drop at that point, the credit that you use at that point, would be considered the December credit, right? But that's just my assumption. I don't know that. But the tip is, uh, one, if you cancel your subscription to Audible, any unused credits, go away. And they tell you this. To be fair, they will tell you this because you're canceling. So you can have an opportunity to go use them. Uh, And secondly, your credits do go away after a year with Audible. Uh, Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And on that note, we're out of here, man. Thank you for listening to DM75. You can find that guy on Twitter at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N. You can find me on Twitter at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. And show notes and links to all of the things that we have talked about in this episode will be at yourownpay.com slash DM75. Chat with you guys soon. Cue the music, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content. And to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast. Yourownpay.com.